Welcome to The Screen Queen, the show where I'll be talking about your favorite show or your favorite movie. You'll just have to find out what you're about to know. This is your Screen Queen, your host, Samantha Parrish. Hello there and welcome back to the show. Welcome to the first episode of the Christmas series on The Screen Queen. I have four presents. You don't know what they are. You're just going to have to unwrap this episode to find out what will be present to you on the show. And the first present that I have for you all is a lovely ticket to the 1996 underrated, very much underappreciated action movie, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Would you believe me if I told you the person that directed Die Hard 2 did this movie? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Now that I've mentioned it, it can officially be declared as a Christmas movie, or as I like to call it, Die Hard 3.0. Because, let's face it, it was kind of strange that Die Hard 3 didn't follow the Christmas theme, but John McClane's gonna have to yippee ki on that one, and that's totally okay. Because we did get a wonderful movie with The Long Kiss Goodnight. Okay, it is absolutely important that I address this before beginning the episode, that this is going to be one of the most important and very enthusiastic episodes I've ever done on the show, because The Long Kiss Goodnight is one of my favorite movies of all time, and my favorite movie list is very exclusive and very picky and very weird. A lot of things I love in action, I have to credit this movie for. Hell, I even went out of my way to make it a point to reference it in my book series in Glory Sync just to show how much I appreciate this movie and to show how much it needs to be appreciated. And I also wouldn't know about this movie if it wasn't for my mom who showed this to me around Christmas time. Of all, you know, the coincidence, it was perfect. So it's basically her fault that I love this movie and I love her for it. And I here I am, 12 years later, getting to talk about one of the most important movies of my life. And it pains me so much that no one knows about this movie. I can't begin to emphasize all these years that I've watched this movie and no one has ever heard of it. I mean, there are some obscure movies out there that really do feel like they got buried underneath something under something else, but I do find it kind of strange that with so many a-listers in this movie. It just completely got swept under the rug and was never given a chance to be considered a classic action Christmas movie with the other ones. Nothing will ever compete with Die Hard, but it's kind of sad that this can't really go hand in hand, kind of like the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile. Like, come on, like, <laughs> put them together! You'll see why, after this episode, why it's so important that this movie needs to be present with the other Christmas movies. I'm going to petition it. Now, for those out there in the audience that have not heard of this movie or they may have heard of this movie, I'm going to give a little synopsis just so that way we're all on the same page here. So this movie follows a woman named Samantha Kane that lives in a quiet little town with her daughter and her fiancé, and she has no idea what her life has been like before she woke up on a beach eight years ago, two months pregnant. And then out of nowhere, people come to kill her, and she doesn't know why. So now it's up to her and her private detective to find out what happened to her before she woke up on the beach eight years ago. Now right off the bat, I'm just going to name something, but it sounds like uh, a little um, gem called Jason Bourne, which that might sound a little bit on the nose, but 
that's sort of the way I explain things to people about this movie, is that it's basically the Christmas version of Jason Bourne. Except it's also not Jason Bourne at the same time. Y you kind of see what I'm talking about here? This is one of those movies that it feels like it's following the coattails of another movie, but it's also not. So before I talk about the great things about The Long Kiss Goodnight, let me first tell you that it wasn't a pleasant time period. That we might look in movies and appreciate the actors, but not know what they were dealing with personally at the time. So our leading lady in this movie is Gina Davis. And she did this movie as a favor and in the collaboration with her husband, Rennie Harlan. However, they were no longer husband and wife by the end of their last movie, which was Cutthroat Island. And for those of you that might know this and might not know this, that was the box office drop bomb of 1995. So I think you can see why they probably wouldn't want to work together, even if they weren't married. But unfortunately, contracts are contracts, and they had to do the long kiss goodnight. But it might not be so bad, considering this film was in the safe hands of someone that knew how to do a Christmas action movie, since he directed one of the most amazing Christmas action sequels, Die Hard 2. Now you know why uh, a lot of people liked this movie and probably didn't know why they liked it is because someone already did this before as a sequel. Even though the director himself had said, oh, I just didn't see it as a sequel, I just saw it as a job. I'm like, okay, alright, I mean, if it's nothing to you, but damn, you did a pretty good job. This man has to do more Christmas action movies, shit. But the one thing that's really interesting about this movie with our leading lady is the fact that it wasn't going to be a leading lady. Even though I just mentioned that uh, Gina Davis and Rennie Harlan were husband and wife and they went on this film together before the director was even considered and they were looking at who they would want to have for the action star, they weren't looking for a female. They were looking for a male. A couple of the leads was Sylvester Stallone, Steven Seagal, which, yeah, Okay, they make sense as action stars, but... Now, a lot of people do know on the show that I love me some Stallone. I did a whole episode about the Rambo series. But I don't think I could see him as an amnesiac badass. Sounds strange, and I feel awful for saying that, but some things just can't really be catered to certain um, people in the action genre. They kind of have to stay away from things that wouldn't really suit them. And I don't know about Seagal. I mean, I think he's perpetually an amnesiac violent person, so it would have been perfect and terrifying at the same time. But because Seagal's so serious, it wouldn't really make the layered character that Samantha Kane became to be. Everything about her character is really layered, and it's because Gina Davis is such an amazing actress that can give so many layers to whatever role she is given. I have never seen a movie where I have not liked Gina Davis in it. And in fact, she excels the other movies that she's in. So knowing the fact that she had to do a movie with the person she just divorced and pulled this off. My God, this woman is amazing. We need to give her more credit for this movie, which is why people really need to know about this movie more. Okay. I've talked a lot about Gina Davis. Now it's time to talk about the other 
important factor in this movie, and that is Samuel L. Jackson. Now, this is something that not a lot of people know about Samuel L. Jackson, that out of all the movies he's ever done and the numerous characters he's played, his role as Mitch Hennessy is his favorite role of all time. He's admitted this in interviews, and it just makes my, my little heart just soar and just make it go from two sizes too big to two sizes way too big because, damn, that makes me so happy to know that he still shows so much love for a movie that people forgot about. And it makes me so happy. If you've ever watched this movie or haven't watched this movie, I don't know if anyone is going to be able to see what I'm going to talk about, but I think Samuel Jackson at the time of his life in this movie. There are so many quips that he gives this movie. Even though he's an actor, there's a lot of like genuine happiness in his face, which that might explain why he says it's his favorite movie role of all time. There are many essences he gives to his character of Mitch Hennessy that could have been a one-off character, but he brought this character to life with comedic moments, heartfelt moments, and that goes a long way in something like an action film where you have to really try hard to make your character as layered and important as possible so they don't end up getting kind of silenced by the, all the action going on. There's one great thing about his character that I don't really see present in other movies is that he makes his own theme out of a song that already exists. There are some movies, I'm sure that there's many that you can think of, that bring recognition to a song and it kind of breathes new life. Kind of like um, Terry Reid in the Rob Zombie movies. Uh, there was also the Mr. Blue Sky song that got... Uh, some new life after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But then, with Mitch Hennessy's character having the song I'm a Hoochie Coochie Man by Muddy Waters. That is a song that you might not know the name, but you'll definitely know the song. But trust me, you'll definitely get a light bulb going off when you hear the first few notes of the song. And with that song, it's used heavily throughout the film as the routine theme for Mitch Hennessy. There's a big part with his character that everything his character does is to the tune of that song. There's a couple of scenes in the movie, one in particular near the beginning, when he's getting his weapons. And he's just like, da -na -na -na. got a pocket knife over here, mm -mm 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 -mm. gun in the left hand side. <laughs> Gina Davis' character says, do you sing everything you do? And he goes, yeah, it helps me remember. And it is so damn funny. And it's constantly throughout the film. Another one that I have to give for free is... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's making me laugh just thinking about the scene. Is when he's going to the bathroom and he goes, go... <laughs> I'm so sorry. He go... <laughs> he's going to the bathroom and he just goes... Dunna, nana, gonna go shake hands with the man. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I'm not. Oh my god. You see how this is such a funny movie? And yet I'm so shocked and saddened that 
this movie never got to take a life on its own and people get to do these things because this could easily fall into a category where people would be quoting this movie. But it didn't, and that's... It's really a shame. There are so many great moments of this film that make it more than just an action movie. With the comedic moments I just mentioned with how Mitch Hennessy really does kind of balance out the film with a lot of comedic moments, the serious moments really do... They make an impact. The thing about action movies is, even though it has you at the edge of your seat and you are worried for the survival of your protagonist, you still know your protagonist is going to make it. There's no doubt in your mind that death is not going to happen. But in The Long Kiss Goodnight, there are some moments that truly felt like this is the point of no return. You really do feel that this is the end for your characters. And that's very rare to see in action movies that has such an emotional hype to it that it really puts you on the edge of your seat to think, wait, they might really die. I don't think that their survival is going to happen. When you see that the odds are against a character and not having some of those moments where there's conveniences that assure their survival, in this movie there are moments that there aren't these random coincidences that help them out. There's not much that they can be able to be provided for in this film. They just have to escape with whatever they can on themselves and to escape an explosion like barely getting out of the blast in time. You really do feel the danger in this movie just like you would with Die Hard. And I mention that because of one of my favorite moments that still gets me a little bit verklempt in my, in my lungs where I feel like she's not going to make it. This movie to me is like the sixth sense to everyone. No matter how many times you watch it, you're still going to be bamboozled and terrified to wonder if everyone's going to make it out alive because of the way the actors elevate the film so much. And as I mentioned, there's a huge emotional factor that goes into there that's not present in many action movies. There's a scene that I'm going to talk about and it is a tiny minor spoiler. So I'm going to put a little timestamp so you can go ahead and skip ahead. Okay. Got awesome possums. So here's the scene. After Samantha Kane survives a fight with our titular bad guy, Timothy, she is wounded from a knife uh, scarring. And after she gets her daughter, Caitlin, out of a truck that is going to blow up, Caitlin pleads with her mother. She says, Mommy, don't go. I don't want to lose you. And she said, the truck is going to blow up. I'll be right behind you. Go, Katie. Go. And her daughter runs. And Samantha says, good girl. And she collapses to the ground. And sometimes you get to a point in a movie like, okay, they're going to get back up. But Samantha's down for a, a, a good amount of time. It really does make you think, Shit, th this is what she was talking about. She really thinks she's not going to make it out alive. Like, did she predict her own death? It kind of feels like a, a fake-out almost. And that's not really present in a lot of action movies. Because they do give you a little bit of hope. But it, it makes you sit there and have to think, is this the end? Is this the point of no return? And Caitlin, who thought her mother was right behind her, sees she's down for the count. And as opposed to running... She comes back for her mom, and she goes, I'm sorry I left you. Please, you have to get up. 
and finally the emotions getting so much and Samantha's still down and she goes don't you die you get up now life is pain you just get used to it and she says stand up right this minute mommy and oh that actress did a fantastic job pleading not many kid actors can pull something off like that and then you see Samantha blink several times and she slowly gets up and has this new found spark of energy when her tank was already way past empty and she gets up and there's like this blaring bright lights of cop cars everywhere and she's right smack dab in the middle of a dangerous situation but nothing matters right now because she has her daughter and her daughter hugs her and Samantha just goes you're grounded you don't see many scenes like that there are some moments in many action films where you do have family at the center of the plot. I mean, shit, look at Die Hard. That's a husband and wife thing. And then throughout the course of the other Die Hard movies, there is some mention of, like, family being involved with John McClane. And some other ones, I think, like Rampage, too, with, um, 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 no, that was Skyscraper with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But I've yet to see one like The Long Kiss Goodnight. This has such an emotional powerhouse to it, blended perfectly with the action where you don't feel that the action's taken away from the emotion and the emotion is not taken away from the action. It's a perfect balanced scene and the impact is absolutely wonderful and it'll get me every time when Samantha Kane gets back up. Like, you really do feel exactly the way the movie wants you to. That's how you know a movie is doing some shit right. There's something I never really noticed until now about this film, and it's how Christmas is presented in this movie. Now, from the get-go, you know right off the bat, you're in for a Christmas movie. It opens up with a Christmas song and your main character, Samantha Kane, in a parade dressed as Mrs. Claus. A very hot Mrs. Claus, I have to say. I mean, should they even say it in the beginning of the movie? But ironically, after... We have our Christmas introduction and then the Christmas party and numerous references to get the gist that this is where the story is located time frame wise is in Christmas. But after that, the character Mitch Hennessy is the one that kind of carries the Christmas references. When the action begins, Christmas becomes in the background. It becomes the atmosphere. It's not really referenced too much by a lot of characters. If it is, it's mentioned by the side characters. But ironically, Mitch Hennessy is the one that references Christmas the most. He's the one that mentions Christmas is very important and kind of mentions that to Samantha um, with the importance of her being with her family. He's the one that makes the references like Bah Humbug. And then the pinnacle cream of the crop reference happens when Mitch Hennessy is taken captive by the antagonist, Timothy. I'm just going to go ahead and tell the scene for you. I'm probably going to butcher it, but I'm going to try my best to give it the best adaptation. So Timothy says to him, Hey, Mitch, sorry to keep you waiting. And Mitch Hennessy says, Oh, for you, Tim? Oh, it's a pleasure to wait. Now, I got a story for you. The Grinch. Like a mean fucker. And he gets cut off because a knife gets thrown at Mitch. You know, quite literally, it's a very mean cutoff. I mean, he cut right to the chase. He did not want to hear the story about the Grinch, but... That is quite possibly the best and maybe only time I've ever heard the Grinch being referenced in an action movie. 
I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I never thought until now that Mitch really is, like, the embodiment of Christmas in this movie. <laughs> I think it's a Christmas movie solely because of his character. Over the years, there has been a little bit more praise to see the action and the acting and looking at this film in a way that it should have been, to be considered among the other action movies, which is great. There was even plans to make a sequel to the movie in 2007. They figured, well, people are looking at this film now, so we'll give a sequel. And that might raise more awareness to the original film, where they'll be like, there's a sequel, this looks really cool, I gotta go to see the first one. Unfortunately, um, kind of like a, uh, a wish, it just was never granted. And The Long Kiss Goodnight still remains a solo action film with no updated plans to make a sequel. However... There's something that I found out during this episode is this was remade into a uh, Bollywood movie. Uh, apologies in advance because I know without a doubt I'm going to butcher this title. But they remade it as Tumko Nabul Payinch. I hope that I got this right. The plot is the same as the original because remakes, you know... An amnesiac Hindu man remembers his past as a Muslim sharpshooter and an assassin. Okay. Um, interesting. That's not the first time I've heard of, like, Bollywood remaking uh, certain action films. I believe Turkey remade Rambo. So at least, like, it's appreciated somewhere enough to be remade. <laughs> as much as I never got my sequel, I'm glad that it's still, like, getting new life somewhere else. Didn't think that that's the route it would take, but okay, I'll take it. Now, for my closing points, even though I could talk endlessly about this movie, there's something that I want to mention to those that possibly want to take a chance on this film to add to their Christmas movie selections. You're going to have so much fun with this movie, because not only is it an amazing action movie, it's also an amazing time capsule. I use that term a lot on this show, but with The Long Kiss Goodnight, it really does feel like you're getting an entire, like, treasure chest of the 90s. There are numerous references that represent the decade. There's a reference to Rugrats. You see people that you would eventually see in future projects. I believe the girl who played the daughter in The Long Kiss Goodnight went on to go do Iron Man 3, I believe. Uh, some of the henchmen you'll find familiar in other various movies and TV shows. So it's like one of those before they were famous movies. You get to see so many people and point and go, oh my god, I know that guy or I know that girl. Oh my god, what are they doing here? It's amazing to see that. Just like with Die Hard and its sequel, it's wonderful to see a holiday go hand-in-hand hand with an action movie, and The Long Kiss Goodnight is one of those films that does do a great job as a Christmas movie, and it's one of those films that you can watch when it's not Christmas, but just like Die Hard, it just helps even more that you watch it during Christmas time to really get to feel the whole holiday in that movie that everything is hell in a handbasket during holiday time and 
you know, it's kind of fun to see something like that, to see a holiday go to absolute shambles with all the chaos and anarchy going on. Like I said, it's kind of like getting another version of Die Hard to have another palate cleanser for the holidays to see something that's centered around the holidays and having a very crazy storyline around it. Not many films work like that to work around a holiday. So even though you follow an amnesiac character and you want to know what's going on with her life, I can assure you, you're not going to be forgetting this film anytime soon. And that is a wrap on the first episode of the Christmas series on The Screen Queen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. It's just... I'm going to be personal for a moment. Life's been extremely hard for me the past two months. And getting to do this show really helps me out a lot to talk about something I'm very passionate about. And knowing that people appreciate this show so much, it helps me get back and get going and knowing that all the work I do does pay off. So I just want to say thank you to those out there that listen to the show. You know who you are and to the new ones out there. I appreciate you so much and you're amazing. And I, I hope that this month for December is going to be great for you. Or if it's a rough time, then my heart goes out to you because December can be a rough month for a lot of people. And it's always been a rough month for me. So I hope that this show can help you out. I'll be, I'll try to be as funny as I possibly can so we can survive the holidays, okay? Alrighty, so now is the time to find out what the next episode is going to be on The Screen Queen. And I got my little uh, barrel of suggestions that are all Christmas themed. So let's see what our next one's going to be. Let me just mix this up really good. I feel like I'm secretly doing ASMR every time I do this, man. Okay, I got one. Oh, I got three. Nope, come on. I just need one. Come on, drop it. There we go. What do we got? What do we got? Whoa. Oh my God. I've been waiting for this movie too. Man, this really is shaping to be a Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, this is such a relief that I get to do this movie I've been waiting to. Alrighty. So the next episode... On the screen, Queen, for your Christmas series is going to be Lethal Weapon. Oh, here we go! Oh my god! Woo! I have been dying to talk about that movie. There's a lot to unpack about that one. Alrighty. Cool beans, man. This is going to be fantastic. And with that episode reveal, that is going to be a wrap on the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I can't speak enough praises out there. I am looking forward to this series and all of the episodes that I have planned for the next three weeks. It's going to be a fantastic time. Stay warm, stay safe out there, and as always, stay amazing. This is your host signing off. Bye-bye! <laughs>